Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are regular Wednesday postings where my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire and spend some time talking with friends who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is author Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen is an award-winning author and teacher from Richmond, Texas. He grew up listening to stories of the Old West, imagining he was right there with gunslingers and comancheros fighting for survival in an unforgiving time. He graduated from Texas A&M University in 1997 and began his teaching career. With over 20-plus years in the classroom, Chris was awarded the 2019 Connie Wooten Excellence in Teaching Award presented by the Southwest Association of Episcopal Schools, SAES. Rowdy, Wild and Mean, Sharp and Keen is the first book of his Rowdy Western Adventure series and was named winner in the 2020 American Fiction Awards and most recently was named a 2020 Best Book Finalist in the American Book Fest Western category. His love for storytelling continues as he polishes manuscripts and writes for young children as well. Howdy, Chris. Howdy, Rich. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Hey, please tell us about yourself a little and uh, growing up and getting into teaching. Absolutely. So I am a native Texan and uh, lived in South Texas my entire life. The track for college was always Texas A&M University, and the focus of my whole future was always going to be in education. I always had a, a draw to young children and could really relate to what they uh, were interested in, and I could really grasp a hold of their attention. I started teaching kindergarten in 1997 and spent my entire life in early childhood education. It wasn't until 2001 that I entered a private school setting and Rowdy was born, but um, I've enjoyed teaching my entire career. It's been an interesting change because I retired this summer to to pursue writing, and I uh, am not absent from the classroom, though. I have um, good ties back, and I go back in and tutor some children every day, and also I uh, am looking to visit and talk to kids just as I as I go forward in my new adventure. Were you a Western fan growing up? It says in your bio that you uh, listening to stories of the Old West. Where were you getting your stories? Were you reading oh, them? Man. Were you listening to other people? Y- yes, sir. My 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 first and foremost influence was my father. He was an he was just an avid storyteller. He was an avid reader. He had experience through the military and into uh, teaching as an English teacher. Had just a passion for theater and drama as well. And so, if you can imagine, kind of culminating all of those aspects of his life. And my interest in just being, you know, my interest in just listening to stories, he was the most influential part of that in my life as a child. He would twist tales that he read from Louis L'Amour and Zane Grey and Mark Twain. He's the kind of guy that can quote Shakespeare off the cuff. He pull lines out of Cyrano without looking him up. I mean, it's just, he's an endless trove of literature. And so hearing stories that he told me growing up was just, was fantastic. Now I wouldn't, I'd be remiss to say if I didn't say John Wayne and Clint Eastwood in those stories uh, and movies that, uh, that were filmed back in the day were, were not um, influential on me because they were. In fact, you know, my favorite of all is probably Big Jake. If you get a chance to read Rowdy, you're going to see a, at least one similarity in a character uh, between Big Jake, one and Rowdy. Gosh, those Sunday mornings, uh, getting up early to watch uh, Westerns were, were one of the things I look forward to most as well. You know, that was just some great, great times for me. I did read a little, I, to be honest with you, I wasn't an avid reader myself when I was a kid. I did read, um, uh, Louis L'Amour's Down the Long Hills when I was younger, and that was my first introduction to Western literature as far as reading. And uh, that was a cool story. I mean, talk about a, a journey of two little kids put in a very dangerous situation, having to fend for themselves as they travel across the prairie. And kind of like Rowdy did, fighting fighting the elements, fighting the, 
fighting the um, the dangerous people along the way and the wild animals. It was a good story to start on. But as I moved on in my life, you know, as a teenager, I, I kind of gravitated to more more novels such from Stephen King. And that was interesting because Stephen King was, you know, initially you think of him as just being this horror writer. Well, the guy is a genius and his depth for writing is just across the board from from drama to horror to suspense to, I mean, he's even got the Dark Tower series that is, that is Western related. The thing I liked most about him was the descriptions and the just the depth that he put into each of his scenes. I mean, they really captured me. They were really so, gosh, I just felt like I was there in the scene uh, as he was as he was describing whatever situation it was. And it was those types of things that I want to do for my readers as well, really paint the picture so that they can feel the emotion so that they can see the the scene of the sun setting or the, or the storm rolling in that, that I want them to see. So with your dad being a, a big influence, is your dad still with us? Oh, yes, sir. He's, he is 89 years young. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, he is my go-to. He has stepped along with me and Rowdy the entire way. I, I really appreciate his honesty because you might have a mom or dad say, oh yeah, I really like your story. It's a great story. Good job, son. Well, he's the kind of guy that says, Chris, you need to go back and redo this. This isn't working. <laughs> I don't like this. And so the, the fact that he can be brutally honest with me while I'm writing and give me input that is valid, not just as a reader, but you know, as a dad as well, it's invaluable because you want to have honest feedback. And he's the one guy I can certainly go to for that every step of the way. That's really terrific that he uh, shared his stories with you. And now you can turn around and share your story with him. And he can see that happen. And he can see that influence, I'm sure, as you continue on to write and write new stories. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about Rowdy, Wild and Mean, Sharp and Keen. It's your first novel. It's yes. uh, it's won some awards, and uh, I think that began as a story for your kindergarten class. How did that happen? It did. Um, so in, in kindergarten, we teach in themes, and throughout the year, you have different thematic units that you go through. Well, typically in the spring semester, uh, Houston Rodeo comes to town, and we have Go Texan Day, and everybody's dressing Western and putting their cowboy hats and their boots on, and it just we all turn a focus to the rodeo. And so um, typically every day at the end of school, we'd have about 20, 25 minutes or so where all the lessons were done. The kids were getting kind of antsy. And uh, if there were days where we weren't playing guitar and having our little band music stuff, we would tell stories. And so during this rodeo unit, I just I started telling the story of Rowdy, this rodeo cowboy. Ironically, it was it was certainly uh, geared towards the kindergarten age uh, kids. We had silly songs about Rowdy. We had silly names for some of the characters. But the, the premise for Rowdy always remained the same. I wanted a story or a character that my kids could look up to. I wanted a story um, where Rowdy was this guy that made good choices, that he learned from his mistakes, that took responsibility and could really give a role model to my kids. We told the story over the course of the Rowdy or the, or the course of the Texas unit. And then uh, we moved on into other things and story time came up again and the kids asked for Rowdy again. So we just continued with these Rowdy stories um, pretty much throughout the rest of the year. And as the next year came in, I thought I'd give it a try. And the kids gravitated to the to the character again. And we just continued telling stories throughout the year about Rowdy and the different adventures that he went on and and uh, different uh, people that he met and experiences that he had. Um, Rowdy has traveled all over the country. It's his home, hometown in, uh, in uh, New Mexico and Lincoln. Uh, he's traveled up to Seattle and he's traveled down to across through the through the Rocky Mountains into the gold rush times. And he's just gone everywhere, down the Mississippi, down the Rio Grande. And his final, the, the kind of that funny thing um, I felt was when I was culminating the story the first time, his final um, stop was down in Guadalupe County in Texas. 
And in order to kind of culminate the story and let the kids go on to their summer vacation and, but bring some reality to them as well. I talked about how Rowdy found this beautiful grove of trees and where he settled down with his, his uh, wife at the time. Now currently Rowdy doesn't have any girl interest at all. He's more focused on being himself and surviving. But, but at this point of the story, he settles down in the Guadalupe Valley amongst these grove of trees and these bearable fruits that are fantastic. Well, it turns out the fruits are pecans. And um, in Guadalupe County, if you go down to Seguin in front of the courthouse, you have a picture of the world's largest pecan that you can still see today. So when I pulled that picture up on the internet for the kids to see, and I said, and there's Rowdy's pecan right there, the world's largest pecan, the, the surprise and excitement, of course, silliness that, that aroused from that was was pretty fun. Yeah, the story in the kin it was definitely a story that started out in the kindergarten class that continued to continue to build year after year. And it wasn't, uh, gosh, it was until about 10 years later that I thought I had put so much time and work into Rowdy and these stories, I need to probably start writing it down. So Rowdy, Wild and Mean, Sharp and Keen is the first book in a trilogy. Do you have the other two books then already kind of planned out or ready to go? Or or will you springboard off of some of those those kindergarten stories? Well, so yes, absolutely. I'm racing through book two right now as we speak. And I have a, I have a good timeline set for book three. And it, it's really book one, Rowdy, Wild and Mean, Sharp and Keen could have been a standalone. But I just felt that we could continue the story because there were a couple of things that are un- left unresolved at the end. And so in book two, Rowdy is confronted with yet another problem right off the bat and decides that he's got to go confront this head on. You know, these stories have lessons in them. The story, uh, the lesson in Wild and Mean, Sharp and Keen is about becoming a man, learning to have responsibility. As Rowdy grows up on his own, he's got this voice in his head of his father's that says, a man acts like one because he has to. A boy acts like one when he wants to. What are you? And so it's this choice that Rowdy has to make the whole time. In book two, the lesson is going to be more along the lines of an older teenage uh, situation in that, you know, oftentimes teenagers think they can just rule the world. They are on top. Nothing can, nothing can affect them. And often they'll look before they leap into situations and find themselves in, in a situation that maybe they didn't want to be in in the first place or that they could have approached in a different manner. And so while Rowdy is the guy that makes the good decisions and makes right choices, he also has to learn from his mistakes. And in book two, it's going to be focused on looking before you leap and also the preciousness of life, which leads into book three. And he has really taken on a burden from a friend of his that happens at the end of book two that he has to carry with him throughout book three. But it culminates back to Lincoln, New Mexico, where he started this journey out of. And uh, it, I think it's going to come full circle very nicely. There's there's a side shoot stories that I plan to, to throw in uh, after the trilogy is completed. But um, I really see the Rowdy brand growing into to multiple stories, even such that I want to reach out at one point to uh, some younger readers. Now, when I started this, you know, it was it was young adult to adult uh, age novel. I just really enjoyed doing the descriptions and the the fight scenes and that type of thing to where it wouldn't be as appropriate for a first, second grader to read. Of course, I do have some reading that with their families and I've told them ahead of time, go ahead and just, if you're reading it aloud, you guys can filter out some of the things. But the stories, like I was mentioning earlier about supernatural sides of thing that Roddy comes involved with, there's times where he goes down to the Guadalupe and fishes and catches these gigantic catfish that lead him into underground caverns that I'm considering developing um, a, a series called Rowdy's Fireside Stories, which will then uh, have Rowdy as the narrator where he's telling these stories of his adventures to younger kids in the kindergarten, first, second grade era. So that'll reach kind of a, a younger reader in that, you know, as they read those younger stories, maybe then as they get older, they want to transition into the to the young adults versions for Rowdy. 
It's really exciting. You know, I think one of the things that is so unique about your book and you as an author from some of the other authors we've interviewed is that you have also developed a teacher's guide for this book. And it's something that kind of comes as a package for for some readers, if that's what they'd like to see. So how would a teacher go about getting your teacher's guide and learning more about that? Absolutely. So the, the best way to, to learn more about it is to contact me through my website. There's a contact button, or you can reach me at chrismullenwrites at gmail.com and uh, be happy to have any kind of conversation or uh, that uh, people would like to know about it. It's a teacher guide that is encompassing that you could take it from a sixth grade level to a 12th grade level. And it's the type of deal where you're learning vocabulary, you're learning, you're learning story structure, you're learning all sorts of things about writing and reading and the story itself. And then you've got prompts and things to think about. It's, it's a very, it's a very in-depth teacher guide. And I have to be honest with you, Rich, I've got to give the credit to my father again on this one. He was an English teacher for many, many years. And his specialty was English sixth, seventh, and eighth grade reading and writing in English. And so when I mentioned him that I thought it'd be a really good idea to have a teacher guide to go along with this uh, story, boy, he jumped on board and really took charge. So when it comes to the to the all the ins and outs and the the expertise of questioning, I have to give the credit to him on that. We talk about the, the content of the story. We we discuss, you know, what what would the correct answers be? What would the what would the point of views be? But this is the type of uh, teacher guide that will really be beneficial. And according to my former boss, you know, the head of uh, Calvary Episcopal School recently, he he. He claims to feel that this is a years-long worth of curriculum that is involved in this one's teacher's guide. So you could take Rowdy and go through so many different facets of education in English throughout the years as the as time went on. It's pretty exciting. It really is exciting. And you know, that's a there's a nice segue here into the Western Writers of America program called Packing the West, where WWA members bring uh, a trunk or a, a pile of books. You know, I, I, like I said, I was a teacher for years, and I, I pulled. I pulled things out of my bags of tricks all the time to get kids interested and excited about learning and excited about whatever topic we're learning about. But when you bring a visitor in, when you bring an expert in and they're dressed up in character and they have this mystery box or this trunk that they have with them, all of a sudden you've got the kid's attention. I mean, they're captured. And the fact that you have somebody coming in that's not the teacher now, the focus really leads to them. And the learning is now bridged between what you're learning in the classroom and what they're bringing in. When you can bridge that gap and get them to be excited about that, what a fantastic opportunity for the kids when you've got these experts coming in with these trunks and you've got artifacts from the West and you've got, um, you know, all sorts of trinkets and things that they can lay their hands on. Now it becomes real to them. If you can look at it on a picture, that's great. Oh, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a great picture. That's a, you know, that's an ax. That's a, it's a yellow boy uh, rifle that, you know, or, or, or whatever it is that they're bringing. And this is a fantastically uh, laden Indian blanket. But if you could hold that blanket, if you could feel the fibers, if you could if you could feel the coldness of the steel of old bullets or old tools or whatever it is they brought in, it really gives them a feel of being real. And that's what I think is important because we learn about history. And to kids, history is just something that happened way back when. Obviously, that's kind of silly to say that, but in their minds, it's something starting that it's in the past. But if you can take part of that past and give it to them and have them hold it, it becomes so much more meaningful and it excites them and it really wants them to maybe continue learning more about this topic. And having the ladies and men that come in and share their stories is just an amazing opportunity. And they're also putting together um, a film series that I understand is going to be a part of this as well. And really looking forward to um, introducing that to my school. Of course, like I said, I'm not employed there anymore, but I'm certainly going to be introducing it to them when they come back in hopes that one of these days, if presentation can come down here to Texas, we can facilitate 
facilitate that for, for, for those of us here. Fantastic. So Chris, I need to wrap up our conversation and I'll, I'll do so by asking you to share your website with folks. It is www.chrismullenwrites.com. And they can learn, learn more about you and about Rowdy and all your, your different ventures there. I'm developing the webpage as we go. I'm developing a, an author visit series. We're really growing as, as quickly as we can. And I find myself wearing about eight, eight or nine different hats right now. If I could really quickly just make a shout out and a thanks to, to two people that were very instrumental, especially within Western Writers of America. Paul Bishop and Chris Ince have both been very instrumental in my going forward in the right direction. Paul, early on, when I was the greenest of greenhorns in the author world, um, took time out of his day uh, to call and have about a 45-minute conversation with me, leading me down a better path than I was already on. And I'm very grateful for that. And this, most recently, Chris Ince, you know, um, I, I've been really working hard to get Rowdy beyond the borders of just my region area. And she's given me some fantastic ideas. And both of these, both of these experienced writers, you know, are very busy and certainly could have just said, Oh, you know, good luck to you, Chris. I'm sure you'll come up with something great, but they took time to do above and beyond. And for that, I'm very grateful. Thanks to Chris for hanging out today and chatting. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our six gun justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.